The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the third Future Sox podcast of the offseason. I've been doing a uh, a few offseason player interviews with uh, various uh, members of the White Sox organization and this week's uh, episode will be Cade McClure and Tyler Johnson. And uh, first up is Cade. And Cade, first off, man, thanks for your uh, time uh, this December. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So you uh, played your college ball at Louisville, of course, and you're not the uh, only uh, former Louisville Cardinal um, in the White Sox organization. I mean, there's quite a few of you, uh, Drew, Lincoln, and Zach. I'm trying to think, is there, I think it's just you three, right? Or those other three? Uh, actually, Austin Conway. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. I played with him, but uh, I just met him a few times last offseason down at, down at the Ville. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, coming into a new organization, I guess you still have some uh, friends around. I mean, how, how cool is that for you? Yeah, it's awesome. It's cool. Um, you know, coming into an organization where you don't know a whole lot of people, uh, my draft year, I came in with Lincoln, myself, and then with Logan Taylor, um, and then Zach was there a year before. And right. um, you know, I met I met Adam Engel a few times, and obviously he's in the organization and stuff. So it made it pretty cool to uh, to be able to have some guys that can lean on and talk to. Um, you know, prior to even even showing up. So obviously not just you guys, but I mean other names like Corey and Brendan McKay and, and Funkhauser, a lot, a lot of different guys. I mean, that's just a testament to how good the program at Louisville is. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Coach Mack and his staff has done a great job over, you know, the last 11 or 12 years that they've been there to pump out a ton of pro guys, and um, you know, a lot of my teammates that I play with and stuff. So it's cool um, traveling around and playing against teams. And usually there's a local guy or someone you know that you played played with or played against, uh, you know, on the other side of the, of the dugout. So before we get into your uh, your season and, and how you're uh, how you're progressing with the uh, rehab, uh, I wanted to do I, uh, you know this obviously, Sox fans are. A good portion of them are also Bears fans, and your uh, your relationship with a certain guy that plays a quarterback for the Bears, uh, Mr. Trubisky. Why don't you? I'm not sure everyone really realizes or knows um, your relationship with with Mitch, but kind of kind of explain to everyone how how you guys are friends. Yeah, so uh, Mitchell and I grew up together, um, same hometown. Uh, played youth football together at an early age, like six or seven or whatever it was, and uh, we you know we continued to stay friends through middle school and high school and. You know, when he got to college, you know, I, you know, we were kind of keeping in contact. He wasn't playing a whole lot at first for those first couple of years, but um, you know, once he got that time to shine, it was awesome to watch him kind of take off and bloom and watch his draft stock seamlessly. You know, kind of almost rise every week. And 
you know, when it was coming down to the combine and to the meeting and all this and that, and you see these draft boards and see him jumping from maybe a first rounder to maybe a 10th pick and to whatever, and then possibly a one or two, it, it was really wild. And then, you know, to get to sit and watch it on TV and experience, you know, a good friend of mine and, you know, a brother of mine kind of go through something like that was really actually unbelievable. And, um, you know, it's an awesome to, you know, to watch him play and cheer him on. And then, um, you know, it's kind of funny how it worked out and ended up getting drafted by the same city. And, um, you know, it's really been cool to kind of get up there and see some of those games or wherever they're playing and, um, you know, just have a, have a, have a guy that you know out there makes it a little more enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Not just having your, your friend from growing up and then obviously your friend now still you know, in the league, but being on a team that's having so much success right now, it must be, it must be extra cool for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know a lot of people are always asking me and, you know, wondering, you know, how's Mitch doing? You talk to Mitch just and that. I'm like, you know, it's the same guy I've known my whole life, right. whether he's, you know, whether he's in the NFL and succeeding the way that he is and having the level of success that he's had and will continue to have, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a very grounded guy and it's been, uh, it's been cool to know him, you know, for all this time and just kind of see where his, his career has taken him. Cade McClure, my uh, guest here on the Future Sox podcast. Um, all right, let's get into uh, the season with Kannapolis. Um, that's where I, I met you uh, down there in Kannapolis, and you made, you know, pitched 41 in, in two-thirds innings in that ERA right around round three. Um, but, of course, you know, your season cut short with the uh, injury. So first, before we get to the injury and the rehab, um, you know, that ERA around three, I know you only pitched into mid-May. But uh, what what was um, – I guess, what were you having success with this season at Kannapolis? Um, you know, I felt like I was um, just trying to be, you know, on, on the attack and try to go after hitters and, you know, make them beat me versus, you know, give them something to hit and, you know, let my defense make the plays. And obviously you have to trust your defense, trust your catcher and all that kind of stuff for sure. But um, I think if you can put, you know, put the aggression in your hands on a, on a controlled level, um, you know, things can fall better into place and, whether it be attacking, you know, attacking the zone a lot with a lot of fastballs or making sure you're throwing, you know, you know off-speed pitches late in the count or, you know, they can't get them, but they're chaseable or whatever it might be. And, um, you know, I was just trying to stay aggressive and, you know, if the ball gets put in play, just trust the guys behind me. So a, uh, exactly a three-to-one strikeout to Walker ratio. Um, your control, uh, what do you, I guess – what what is the main thing you do uh, for your control? I don't that that makes any sense. But like, what, what do you what do you? I know you know obviously a lot of some guys have trouble with control issues and walk a ton of people. But for you, it's the exact opposite. So what is the key for you to to uh, for your control? I think um, just to be able to replicate your mechanics because I think if you can replicate mechanics every pitch, um, you know your arms gonna be coming through the same spot, your foot's gonna be landing in the same spot. All those things that you know there leaves margin for error. Um, you know, if once you get a feel for the zone, um, as long as your body's repeating what it's doing every other pitch, that um, it makes it a lot easier to stay consistent and stay, along, stay around the strike zone. And, you know, can't try to get cute with it, I guess, at times. I mean, there are situationally where you may not want to be, you know, living right up, you know, on the plate with a certain hitter or whatever it is. But, you know, I just try to think of my college coach, I always say, try to trigger, throw the ball through, through the catcher's glove, not to him, and, um, you know, just kind of stay on top of it and, you know, get that extension with my big body and get as close to home plate as I can or at least that ball and stay aggressive. All right, so let's uh, go back, you know, to the uh, injury. So what exactly happened? I think, you know, it was, you know, obviously you, you knew you were hurt, but then for a while it was 
what how bad were you hurt and I think we talked and you were heading to Chicago and you finally got a second opinion or something something along those lines but what exactly happened to you um and, and yeah we'll just start with that so what, what exactly happened to you and do you remember exactly when it happened yeah um it was the Asheville game on May 13th um just I, you know, I had a line drive hit back at me, and I thought it was hit a little bit harder than it was, and it was kind of knuckling. I didn't realize it until it was probably halfway towards me, and just kind of reacted kind of awkwardly. Um, I just kind of just threw up my glove just to block my face so I wouldn't get hit, and um, I probably could have caught it had I realized it wasn't as hit, hit as hard as I thought. And I was just able to knock it down, um, and I kind of reached across to grab the grab the ball throw. And at first, I had plenty of time, and my foot ended up getting stuck. Um, you know, with my cleat into the into the dirt and kind of just twisted through my body weight through my left knee and kind of just felt a pop and um, you know obviously I ended up having some ligament you know damage and right. some other some other things um, you know taken care of uh, once you know I got some opinions by some local doctors and I just wanted to clear everything up so they had me um, you know, meet up with Dr. Verma and his staff up in Chicago and uh, we, you know we just decided based on you know my past history with some knee issues and. Um, just looking looking ahead to the future, rather just get it cleaned up now and get it taken care of, and have to uh, you know maybe visit this down the line somewhere where um, it could be you know more of a detrimental situation for you know my, you know, my career. So uh, other than you know not being able to get out there every every fifth day or so in pitch, well, what's been the the toughest part of this whole process? And I, and I think you posted the other day you just finally started throwing again. But before before that, before you did that, what's kind of been the, the most the toughest part of this whole thing? Um, honestly, it's just kind of been being away from the game. Yeah. Um, you know, whether I was having success or, you know, in a, in a rough patch or whatever it was, at least I was around the game every day and, um, got to be around my, you know, my friends and my teammates and enjoy, enjoy the summers playing baseball and doing the road trips and all that kind of stuff where, um, I was kind of laid up on the couch for about two months before I could really even do much of anything. And, um, probably a little kid, I couldn't even drive. My mom was dropping me off at doctor's appointments and, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So. Um, it was tough, but you know, to kind of just follow along and see all those guys having success, you know, see, see how the season was going and just wish more than anything I could have been out there to, you know, help contribute or help at least, you know, be that guy that, you know, help someone along if they're having a rough day or whatever it was, just, just being around them, like I said. And, um, yeah, that's, that was definitely the hardest part was just, you know, watching from afar, not really being able to contribute. So you... Am I, you did post something about your, your back to throwing now. That's correct. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I, I was cleared on November nineteenth by okay. Dr. Verma and his staff to kind of return to baseball-related activity, and then you know, through a you know through a good you know rehab program that the White Sox had given me and my um, therapist that I've worked with here at home, um, I've done you know a, re- a really good job with getting myself, and um, those guys have done a great job of kind of leading me in the right direction to to get back to. The baseball shape, all that kind of stuff. So I started throwing um, on the tenth for the first time and felt really good. And I'm uh, very excited to kind of keep go- keep my arm going and get ready to going for you know for spring training. So are you you're planning on you know being ready at the beginning of spring training then? Yeah, um, as you know as, as it looks right now, I'm um, about six and a half months out um, of surgery. So by the time um, you know late February, early March rolls around, I should be pretty much ready to go. Um, I'm going to head out there a couple of weeks just to kind of finish up my rehab process and, uh, you know, get off the mound for the first time in front of the White Sox staff and 
and those guys just to kind of make sure everything looks all right in their eyes before they officially clear me or whatever the you know the process might be. But um, as of right now, barring any setbacks, we should be uh, more than ready to go by by uh, March first. Good. Well, that is definitely a, a blessing for you. Um, what's you know going back to the season? I guess obviously you weren't. Uh, you know, there's things you can always get better at. So what, what's something that you know, before the injury occurred that you were working on or wanted to get better at, you were going to be working on, and now you will be working on this upcoming uh, season? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Always, like you said, always room to improve. And I was really trying to focus on, um, you know, getting my changeup down and making it like maybe my second pitch. And I uh, pitch off my fastball a whole lot, but obviously the more you rise in an organization, the higher you get up in levels, um, you know, you need to be able to throw multiple pitches in multiple situations. Right. So. Um, I pitch off my fastball a lot, like I said, but I really wanted to focus on um, getting a really good feel for my changeup and figure out which grip I really like the best and you know use that confidently. So when it comes time to throw it in a situation I may have not been comfortable with in the past, that um, I can throw it with confidence and you know trust my abilities that uh, you know it's going to work. So I, the last thing, or first last thing, I guess for you. So you know your, your team last year, you were there for you know. A month and a half but you know you were around the guys and stuff too you guys had a lot of talent um that was you know on that team then move it up to winston-salem uh, a couple guys in particular obviously your your teammate from louisville lincoln um and then you know luis gonzalez a, a few other guys but what was it like every day going out uh, with, a, with a, a team that was just as so talented as they were and like you said earlier just pitching and letting your defense uh you do what they do yeah actually it was awesome um like you said, we were, we were loaded with a ton of talent, and um, you know, Jurish, our manager, was doing a great job of putting guys in position to be successful. And Jose and those guys were, you know, letting those, you know, letting the relievers throw when they needed to throw, and um, putting guys in the right positions. And um, obviously, just loaded with tons and tons of talent at that at that level to begin of the year between Laz and um, Lincoln and Blake and Park and Tyler and you know a lot of those guys. It was it was a ton of fun to. Um, to see every day obviously I mean usually those guys get moved up pretty quick and I mean for the first month and a half I was there it seemed like everyone kind of just got moved up right after my injury so um, you know it would have been hopefully in the plans that I would have gone up with them you know had that not happened but just to spend that first month or so with those guys to watch them on a daily basis was really really impressive and I've got Luis Gonzalez I mean obviously he was tearing it up and it was just a lot of fun to you know be around that on a daily basis um Last, uh, last thing. My, my next guest is, is going to be Tyler Johnson, and you, uh, you were there for saw quite a few outings of, of Tyler. And I'm not sure if you guys knew each other in college or not, but uh, what do you, what do you think of uh, of Tyler and that Army is? Oh, Tyler's, you know, first of all, just outside of baseball, just a super great, great guy and a good friend and a good teammate. Um, you know, but between the lines and you know, in the weight room, is extremely hardworking guy. And he's very dedicated, and um, you know that rubs off on people. So. I love working out with Tyler in the weight room or, you know, whatever it is, just kind of hanging out with the field just because it will lead you in the right direction. Um, when it comes to getting your body right or doing, you know, doing whatever it takes to be ready to go um, when your name's called. And um, Tyler obviously had a lot of success in, in, in uh, Canapolis and, and Winston last year, and I think that he's going to be um, an absolute stud for the next couple, couple of years to come until he gets his chance to get up there whenever that may be. But, I do, uh, I do have a lot of faith in Tyler, and I really do think he has a good opportunity in front of him. Last thing, Cade. Um, give me your, 
your favorite uh, baseball memory? Oh, man. Outside of getting drafted by, yeah. um, you know, a professional organization and being, you know, that very grateful and just crazy how that happens. But uh, probably uh, probably my college team advancing to the, uh, the College World Series my junior year. That was a lot of fun and obviously something I'll never forget. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your Welcome time. Welcome back to the second and, part uh, of the that third uh, White Sox offseason spring training. Your thanks again. Podcast. It. Just thanks, heard man. from uh, pitcher talk. Cade McClure. Now another uh, pitcher in the Sox organization. Organization. Tyler Johnson joins me. Tyler, thanks for your time, man. No, no problem. Thank you for having me. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So before we uh, before we started rolling here, you um, asked you what you were doing. So why don't you uh, fill the fans in on what's uh, what's going on in Tyler Johnson's world right now? Uh, well, you just got to write down what responsibilities you have each day. And, um, you know, in the off season, uh, you take a little break from throwing, uh, right after season. Um, so it's kind of slim, but you know, you got to get your work in, uh, in the weight room and, and out running and everything. And when it's time, you know, you have to add your throwing program to it as well. Um, so it's just, uh, tedious work getting back into shape and, uh, making sure you make gains to uh, um, become more durable during a season. You know, 140 games is a lot, so you got to make sure your body can endure that, and it's your responsibility to uh, make sure that you can do that. Um, so just being in the weight room and and making sure you throw and stay conditioned is is pretty much our job. All right, so let's go back to the season. We'll start in uh, Kannapolis first. Um, you know, I, like I said, or Cade mentioned, and, and like we kind of talked about, you know, one of the things he, he said was, you know, he's just trying to throw strikes on the defense behind him, make plays. And you guys had such a, a talented roster there. You know, a lot of them got moved up with you. Um, was, so what was that like, you know, going out there and just, you know, throwing throwing strikes and letting the defense do their thing? Um, well, you know, you get to a certain level and uh, all those guys can play that are behind you. And, um you you don't have to do too much you know as a pitcher you want to make them work because uh, that's what they're there for uh, and when you have uh, sure gloves behind you they sure make you look good I mean having Laz at shortstop uh, and Louie in, in the outfield of course you saw a season they had right. um, especially with their bat but with their glove as well you know they're about as sure-handed as they come so uh you know, Cade said it right, that you just try to slow the zone. Um, you know, you get yourself in trouble when you don't and you put free runners on base. Um, so you got you got seven guys legitimately behind you. So you try to make those guys, uh, the other team hit it right to them. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work out, but in, in some situations you need to look for a strikeout. But making them work is, is an art that, you know, uh, pitchers try to – follow sure there are a lot of uh things that stood out for you in your uh, time with Canapolis. we see your 20 games with Canapolis and then 21 with winston-salem uh, in which you pitched it not not how long you were there but uh you, what was something that stood out for you in your uh time with uh Canapolis this season i know you were with them for a little while in 17 but then obviously this this full not full season but uh started the season there with them uh, this year what, what what was something that kind of stood out to you um well, really, I just think it was the talent uh, that we have. Um, you know, like I said, I think eight other guys got moved up at the half. Yeah. Maybe, you know, uh, that might just be a ballpark number. Uh, 
and I don't know how many organizations you can see that. And if you look at it, uh, you know, maybe some other players should have been moved up at, at the half as well. Um, so that Canapolis team was really good. Uh, of course, Winston was uh, had a great half and just a great year altogether as well. Um, but I think uh, to start off there in Canapolis, you just got to look at the depths that we had and, uh, you know, especially for a low-A club. What's something um, that you like the most about Jersh and the way he ran things? Uh, well, you, I mean, being from a player standpoint, you know, he's young. Right. Uh, he's, he's easy to uh, understand and get along with. Um, of course, there's that coach-player respect. But, um, you know, Jersh being recently out of the game uh, understands how to get to players, um, knows how to resonate with them, Uh so I think that's a big plus with Jersh. Of course, he's smart as well. He likes, I think he saw, he likes to uh, push other teams' buttons. It's a, <laughs> yeah. a little bit faster pace of play, it seems like. Um, so there's a lot of fun playing for him. Let's move up uh, to Winston. And looking at your numbers, you actually had better numbers at uh, Winston-Salem than you did Canapolis. I mean, it's not like your numbers are bad at Canapolis either. But you, your numbers, and I spoke with Luis, you know, talked to him. Uh, last week and it was the same situation for him his numbers uh, improved once he moved up what do you think uh, what do you think the reason is for that for you um well I, I think it's the strides that I made in Canapolis okay. uh, just showing uh, itself a little bit and Winston-Salem you know uh, uh, looking back uh, before last year when I was up in Canapolis when I first got drafted um, there's a lot of areas that in which I needed to improve. Uh, and so I went into the off season, uh, wanting to make those improvements and ended up doing, uh, last year. And, uh, you know, when you fine tune some things and you understand what you got to do, uh, and when you move up, you got to do it at an even higher level. You really rely on the practice that you had in those in game moments. And I think it was just something you know, kind of where you see, you know, what you read, right? Where you, uh, you know, what stuff that you practice shows. Um, of course, the talent level is better. And um, like I said, you have to do it at a little bit better efficiency, maybe than what you would have been in Canapolis. But, uh, you know, I also got lucky a few times too. So <laughs> uh, it, uh, like I said, it was just, um, you know, things coming together. And I hope I go into this off season with a similar mindset, understanding what I have to improve on and hopefully make the same strides. Uh, so I, sp- I spoke with, uh, with Gavin um, in, our, in our first podcast, and I asked him this – I mentioned this question to him or mentioned this statement to him. You know, I, you know, I was around you guys a lot. Not, I mean, not every day or anything like that, but, you know, a good – a few times a week at least, it seemed like. And, you know, I saw the, the first half team in Winston and, and then the second half. And I just asked him, I, you know, I said, you, with all that talent, you know, I'm sure you've been a part of teams where you guys, you know, you just don't get along. Everyone has. It's, it's played sports. But it just seemed like that the team camaraderie didn't skip a beat when when you guys, you know, you and Luis and – and, and Laz and all you guys went up to Winston-Salem. Like, what what do you kind of attribute that to, I guess? Uh, well, first of all, the guys 
um, when you first move in, especially when you move up a level, you kind of don't really know what guys will say to you. Um, you know, uh, you're new and you're younger than them, but I, I would attribute it to them just welcoming all of us. You know, they wanted, of course, with the half that they had, they wanted to continue it. You know, we walked in and like, hey, we win here. Uh, and we had fun doing it. We like to do it in fashionable style sometimes. Um, but, you know, the overall, uh, you know, we won here in the first half. We won the first half and we won to win the second. And when they, uh, you know, when they put that on the line and say, hey, we're still business, you know, even though we're in the playoffs and it's still unacceptable to lose, you just kind of uh, get that, you know, fire under your butt. But uh, as team camaraderie, you know, they, like I said, they just welcomed all of us with opening arms. I would also say, you know, we, we know each other from spring training. Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of us have played against each other. So, you know, it's just easy to click, especially when you had a uh, manager and, and Omar Visco. You know, he likes to have fun. So uh, it was just a good environment to go into. Yeah, that was my, uh, my next question for you. Omar got uh, moved up to the Barons, I guess, a couple of days ago. Um, and I'm sure you'll 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 be up there with him soon enough but what was it like um you know you mentioned with a a player or with, with playing for Jersh who was a player who was just out of the game but then going to Omar who also a player of of Hall of Fame caliber um but then obviously a little bit more removed but what was it like with uh, with Omar every day well it's almost like uh when Omar talks you listen right right uh there's uh, not really much better experience than a person. Um, so whenever he talks, you know, you really try to take in what he's saying because he's been there. He's, uh, uh, he's been there and done all that. So, uh, he's there to help us, you know, and, um, he is a lot like Jersh though. I mean, it's just a baseball, must be a baseball thing. Um, you know, he liked to have fun. He liked to push the buttons on a mm-hmm. base pass and, um, you know, be a little bit more aggressive in it. When you're aggressive, it makes baseball a little bit more fun. Um, I mean, I, I, in the beginning of the season, you had a walk-off stolen home home, yeah. home plate. You know, you never see that. So uh, um, it's that kind of risk that, you know, makes playing for a guy like that a little bit more enjoyable. But, of course, when it comes from his mouth and what he's done in his career baseball, it makes it even that more easier to uh, – or that more easy to pay attention to what he's saying. What did you think of that atmosphere at Winston-Salem? You know, it was awesome. I, uh, you know, <laughs> coming from South Carolina, you know, you see 10,000 fans, right. but I was telling uh, some of the guys that I might have played in the biggest crowd uh, that I've ever played in, you know, 4th of July at Winston-Salem. There right. were 14,000 people there, it seemed like. So, um, other than being uh, in Alex Box, at LSU, you know, I might have had, you know, the most amount of people watching. So uh, it's pretty fun. It's cool. It's a nice town, and uh, I think they care about their baseball, and it certainly makes it more fun to play in the, uh, you know, in the dog days when you got people coming out to see you. When you, um, I know you, you know, you want to bring it every single game, but when you do see, you know, those stands full, does that give you a little extra? Uh, I mean. It does, but, you know, even if they aren't there, you still got a job, right? right, right. So, 
um, you got to learn to create that energy yourself. But baseball, I guess when it comes down to it, they're baseball players are entertainers, just like all athletes are. Um, and you know, we want to entertain. So, um, I would say there's a, you know, uh, in the 4th of July, especially and some of those days where there might be a little bit more packed to the stadium, uh, it makes it a little bit more special to play in. A couple more things, uh, before you tie and let you go. So you mentioned, you know, you're, 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 um, you know, figuring out what you got to do on, on daily, um, this off season, getting ready to, uh, you know, really get back into it. What's something, uh, I guess that you've wanted to, um, really focus on this off season, um, to kind of get ready to improve uh, for next year? Um, just uh, refining my pitches. Okay. Uh, um, I think there are other pitches that need more refining than others. Um, so that will dictate the frequency of how often I throw them. But, you know, I need to throw. Uh, now it's getting to the point where I need to throw fastballs where I want, just not in the zone, mm-hmm. you know just not simply get the fastball in the zone, but throw it where I want in the zone. Um, there's, you know, of course the change up where you got to throw it and, um, count for your down where it's not necessarily easy and, uh, refining a slider. Uh, I showed flashes of plus sliders, um, but not at the percentage that I wanted to. So when you go into the off season, you got to recognize that and do what you need to do to, you know, raise the frequency on those quality pitches. Last thing, um, and I've just forgotten what I was going to say. <sighs> I don't even remember what I was going to what I was going to say to you. But, uh, anyways, um, I guess one of the other things I had mentioned to uh, to Cade was, you know, we talked about, you know, you talked about the talent at at uh, at Canapolis, and then I guess when you you got the talent at Winston, I guess you know the, the dash up for numerous awards in terms of you know the the best minor league team in baseball period not not just at the advanced a level but you know, some of these other guys on your team you know with all sorts of you know the, the Sox system as a whole one of the top in terms of prospects but you you know you watch Luis robert every day and blake and you know a bunch of these guys i mean what's that like for, i mean you're not pitching every single day every single inning so you're you're watching a lot of a lot of baseball as well so what was it like every single day just watching some of these guys yeah it's, it's pretty special um, all those guys are talented. I mean, Micah, the way Micah can yeah, hit a baseball yeah. is something that he's never seen before. It's amazing. Luis Robert can run faster than anybody that I've seen. Um, I mean, Blake's skills are put together some of the best you've seen in a guy his age. Um, it, And then you get our first-round pick, Nick Madrigal, who mm-hmm. has a glove that's big league ready. you got a future big league first baseman. You know, it's just... Uh, you know, the Dash was a team that was that I lived on as a team that I wanted to play for and with uh, in terms of movement. You know, if you're with those guys, you know, you're in a good spot. So, um, um, you know, like I said, it was just something that uh, was amazing to see every day. And uh, I was lucky because not everybody's going to say that they saw them play uh, hundred plus, two hundred plus games. So, uh, you know, like I said, the Dash was a team that you wanted to play for, and hopefully, next year, you know, um, it moves to Birmingham and then Charlotte, and then hopefully the White Sox. You know, and uh, uh, that's their plan, and you just want to be a part of it all the way through. 
I remember what I was going to ask you. Last thing. Uh, growing up, um, what, who was somebody, I don't know, it could have been a pitcher, could have been a hitter, it doesn't really matter. Who was your favorite baseball player? I don't know if you, you have a team or whatever, but uh, who was your favorite player? Um, and was there anyone you kind of tried to, I don't know, say model? Maybe, okay, let's just say model your, your pitching after. Um, well, I mean, my favorite baseball player growing up was uh, King Griffey Jr. Right, yeah. uh, there's nothing more fun than watching that kid play. Uh, and, you know, I idolized him when I was younger and especially going through the steroid era and, uh, you know, being one of the clean ones and, uh, you know, it just meant everything to a kid. And, um, you know, the way he turned, you know, he kind of changed baseball. He turned hat backwards. Yeah. His things a little bit odd or off. Um, it was just awesome to uh, see his kid. So, I mean, I idolized him growing up and still have his jersey. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, in, in terms of pitching, um, you know, I don't know about modeling everything, but you kind of try to look at traits of different pitchers mm-hmm. and try to mimic what they do. I mean, um, you look at what their pitch mix is or the velocity of which they throw their pitches. Um you know, like I paid attention to Jordan Hicks this past year. Um, I think that's somebody that obviously throws the ball ridiculously hard. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, you kind of take guys like that and try to mush them together. Just, and, just take some um, things from different guys. Whole new monster. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Well, I uh, appreciate your time and, um, you know, look forward to spring training and you uh, watching you uh, move up through the system and eventually get here to Chicago. So thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. All right, so that's going to do it for the third off-season podcast uh, for the Future Sox interviews. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Cade progressing well with his rehab. And Tyler just working on those secondary pitches, trying to uh, make his way to the White Sox bullpen. I think that's going to be the last one for the uh, 2018 year, but we'll be back after the new year uh, with plenty of more off-season interviews. Spring training right around the corner, opening day. 100 days away for the Chicago White Sox. Um, I'm recording this on uh, December 18th. But yeah, 100 days away for the White Sox. I'm sure that there will be more moves to come for them, and uh, we will talk with more prospects as well. So I hope you enjoyed listening to a future Sox podcast, and until next time, go Sox.